Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. This is a podcast that explores all things as they relate to dating, romance, and relationships. Why we sometimes ignore or miss the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, lying, psychological manipulation, mental illness, addiction, and so much more. Join me each week as we continue my journey into the modern dating world with my weekend rants, anonymous guest dating stories, and experts who share their wisdom so I can help you navigate the dating terrain. If you are new to the show or have been following me from the beginning, hold on tight for the Anonymous Andrew Experience. Now on to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. Today, I have a guest, Rebecca Whitman, and she is a magnetic abundance mentor. Okay, I know. I'm scratching my head too. But what that really comes down to in simple terms is she helps primarily women, but she works with men too, from burnout. And that's all I'm going to say. I'll let the episode do all the explanation because you're going to love this one. Ladies and gentlemen, and people of all genders, Rebecca Whitman. Welcome back to another episode of Anonymous Andrew Podcast. And today I have with me Rebecca Whitman. Welcome, Rebecca. And tell us all about you. Yes. Thank you, Andrew, for having me on the show. I'm so excited to be here. It's funny. I was rated number one life coach because I moved to LA 22 years ago with no intention of becoming a life coach. I actually uh, wanted to pursue acting and I did have small parts on huge shows like Friends, CSI and 24. And instead of being a waitress, I found a way to make a living while pursuing my acting career. And that was at children's acting schools as a director of admissions. And I loved working with the kids because I don't have any kids of my own. And I had a lot of free time because the kids were, you know, coming in after school and on weekends. And during the days I spent time studying with great spiritual teachers like Michael Beckwith, Abraham Hicks, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, just to name a few. And I really understood the law of attraction and I applied it to my financial life. And I was able to make six figures in the children's acting school business and buy property and start an investment portfolio. And the one area of my life that I couldn't quite figure out up until now was my love life. And I kept picking the same type of emotionally unavailable narcissistic man over and over and over again. And when I was 39, I decided I better marry someone if I want to have kids. So I, you know, twisted some guy's arm who really didn't want to get married and manipulated it. And I got him to marry me. And it was a very unhappy marriage. You know, there was a lot of verbal and emotional abuse. 
And after three years, I decided to file for divorce. And as my marriage was unraveling painfully, my dad was dying in a nursing home. And in one of our last conversations, he said, Rebecca, I really want you to write something. And I had no idea what I was going to write. My dad's funeral was on a Wednesday and my divorce was finalized on a Friday of the same week. So within 72 hours, I lost my dad and my marriage. And a few months later, I was sitting across the desk from my financial planner and he said, you are having your best financial year ever. You're actually a millionaire this year. Yet I know you lost your dad and you lost your marriage. So I think you should write a book inspiring people about how you were so resilient and how you live your life. So I decided to write a book called How to Make a Six-Figure Income Working Part-Time. And it's not a business plan. It's how I had been living my life in seven key areas, which I call the seven pillars of abundance. They are spirituality, fitness, emotions, romance, mental, social, and financial. And when you have all seven pillars of life in alignment, you can be, do, or have anything you want. Now I'm happily married to an emotionally healthy guy. We call him normies, right? And I'm I'm thriving in all areas of my life. And I am coaching women on how to go from burned out and overwhelmed to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. And that's how I got to be here on this podcast today. Wow. Incredible story. And and um uh, I was a big fan of CSI and 24, so uh, probably did see you in, in those roles. But uh, how how was that? So you went out to L.A. to become an actress and it just didn't pan out. And I mean, I didn't make a living at it. I, I didn't get that big break where I could do it full time, but I had lots of fun experiences and I have a bunch of credits on IMDb.com and then. Yeah, I just I really believe that life begins when you give up your first dream and go for your second dream. And now my dream is to inspire women to realize that they don't have to be burned out and exhausted to get results. They can actually magnetize their good, which is why I call myself the magnetic abundance mentor. And it's just a much easier, happier way to go through life when you're not you know, pushing your energy and exhausting yourself going for goals and dreams. So I'm now focused on my, on my second life dream. And that's to become a worldwide well-known coach that is creating a movement of women who are completely like self-centered and healthy, emotionally and balanced. So what type of women, what, where are they in their life when they come to you? They are usually feeling stuck and many of them are in toxic relationships, which I know we're going to explore more today and they, they can't get out. They feel like they're trapped or they're in a dead end job that is no longer fulfilling and they feel like they can't get out of their job or, you know, they could even be stuck with their health and wellness goals and be depressed or, you know, overeating or undereating. So those those are the three main areas where I help women get unstuck is in health, fitness, uh, health and fitness, romance and finance. Okay. And uh, prior to our recording, I had asked you, does this uh, practice that you have work for men as well? And you said yes. 
Yes. Every, yeah. everything that I teach works equally well for men and women. Great. Okay. So let's talk about, um, uh, since my podcast is about toxic relationships and, and surviving them and, and, or, or being stuck in them because you just made, you you mentioned something about a woman being in a toxic relationship and being stuck and not knowing how to get out that's where exactly where i was and while i'm i don't want to rehash that with the audience uh, here i am almost by the time they hear this episode it'll be one year it's i have done the work and i have healed and 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 processed and and learned what i did wrong it's time for me now to but it's funny when you use the word burnt out, I, I feel as if at the end of this past relationship, I was burnt out, burnt out on yeah. dating. Yeah. Relationships and dating. I, I came to the end of a long journey of just failure, one after the other, after the other. And everybody in my support system said, dude, stop, take a break, you know, take a year off and figure out what it is you want and, Find out what 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 part you played and all that stuff. So, where does one begin? So let's so the woman like you would work with, if they're right out of a divorce, let's say, or they're right out of a failed business. Do you do you? How do you mentor them? Do do they need to take well, some? Go ahead. Yeah, they do need to take some time off. I mean, when you're, let's just focus on relationships because when you are getting out of a divorce or toxic relationship, it is exhausting. There is burnout. And I think of it as getting injured. You know, if you were, if you twisted your ankle on the soccer field, you wouldn't go out and like play 10 more games. You would actually take some time to, sit on, you know, on the side of the field and ice your ankle. And maybe you would sit out the rest of the season and come back for a new season when it healed. But I think it's human nature to want to just get back out there right away and replace, you know, one person with another person. And that is actually love addiction. That is dehumanizing and thinking of a person as a drug and, I remember one of my first sponsors, because you know that we're both uh, sober. uh, She's like, you're just trying to replace like Jack Daniels with vodka. You never got over the pain and the trauma that the first relationship caused. And if you keep just going from person to person to person without actually processing and healing it, you're just going to repeat the same exact pattern over and over and over again. And that's why so many people are like, you know, if I go to a party and there's a hundred people, I'll pick like the narcissist or the borderline or the, the same person over an emotionally unavailable person over and over and over again. And that is because you have not processed and healed the underlying issues that are making you pick that type of person. So I think taking some time off with a therapist or a sponsor or a life coach and actually processing what happened and looking at your patterns is the first step toward finding a healthy relationship. Yeah. And, and I know, so do you work with, uh, you were recently on a podcast called the law of attraction. Uh, Do you work with that concept as well? Because 
from one from my experience doing this podcast, we will attract the person that uh gosh, what what's the phrase? That we that we're exude the energy that we're putting out. So if we're putting out first of all, let's go back to what you said about the alcohol, for example, I put down the alcohol and I picked up relationships or women or love. Yeah. So love, love addiction is real. It's a, it's a real addiction. Yeah. So the law of attraction is important and healing from relationships, because if you keep complaining and talking about the same type of person, and you're obviously not over it, you're just talking about it over and over and over again, like for me, my pattern was going for emotionally unavailable men. And I was constantly talking about, you know, he's so emotionally unavailable. He doesn't care about my needs. He's just all about himself. And he's, you know, got a wandering eye. And I just keep talking Uh about it, then I'm going to attract the same type of guy that did the same exact things. So I another step in healing is not after you process and, and, uh, understand your patterns, then it's letting it go. And that happens with forgiveness. And I'm a huge teacher of affirmations. And I really like the affirmation, I forgive everyone for absolutely everything, especially me. Mm. And once I really forgive myself and the person and all the people in the past, um, I can actually be a blank slate and be open to a new style of relationship. And that was something that I was told to me that I, I took full responsibility in this last relationship because I knew what she was doing, but I stayed. And so when the, when it ended, I put all the blame on myself. I, I And while this podcast spawned because of that relationship and I did not call her out on it, I didn't name her, I didn't blame her, I blame me, I but I had to learn to forgive myself for what I had put myself through and that wasn't easy. That was a difficult task. Um, so, so while I think that I may have succeeded at forgiving myself, I'm still working on self-respect and self-dignity. So what would be some of the steps that somebody could take to, to, to begin to forgive themselves? Like you said, to wipe that slate clean. One of the steps is to realize that that person came came into your life to teach you lessons that mm. you could not have learned any other way. And this is this might be pretty woo-woo for your audience, but this was something that a spiritual teacher taught me once. And you know, let's say that there's a classroom in heaven And God is like, okay, I want Rebecca to learn how to love herself. I want her to learn her self-worth. So one of you, one of you souls is going to go into her life and you're going to treat her like shit and make her question everything about Mm -hmm. herself. And then when she finally like gets over you and gets a lesson, lesson, she is going to love herself more than she ever could have had she not met you. And so one soul is like, all right, I'll be the guy. I'll be the one who goes in and like just breaks her heart and treats her like shit. So she gets that lesson. And when I learned that way of thinking that our souls have contracts that 
we came in on the other side and heaven to teach each other lessons that we could not have learned any other way. That is like, wow, like this person that broke my heart was actually a spiritual teacher who taught me something. I couldn't have learned it reading a book or taking a class or going to a seminar. I had to really learn it through pain. So people learn two ways. They're either pushed by pain or pulled by vision. And for me, as a recovering alcoholic, I'm usually someone who learns through pain. Mm -hmm. So I looked at the people that had really hurt me and broken my heart. And I realized that they had taught me lessons and I forgave them. And then I forgave myself for making those people my higher power because anything that I make my higher power, that isn't God, whatever you call that, you know, nature, God, Buddha, Allah, whatever you call it, Jesus um, anything that I put over myself and over my God, I'm making them my higher power. Right. And I had to learn to put my reliance on God. And anything that was not God was I was using them to to fix me, you know, as a as a drug, using a person to fill a God-sized hole in my heart and my soul that could only be filled by God. So I had to look at myself and say, wow, you really must have had a lot of trauma in your past because you're using people to try to fix you and people are inherently fallible. They're going to eventually, you know, not meet my very high expectations. So I get to put my reliance on God and I, and I choose to believe that God loves me more than any person ever could, even my own mother. Hmm. And, and you, you mentioned a term earlier, which I've heard a couple of times, woo woo. It's a little woo woo. And I don't, I believe in that. Um, uh, have you heard of Akashic Records? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm a yes. believer in Akashic Records. I don't know how they necessarily cross over into this. I, I know they're in the spiritual world and they're in between some dimensions, but there, you talked about a contract, uh, a, a soul contract. I, I do believe that. So whether the audience thinks it's woo woo or not, I don't. I I, I believe that. So, um, right. I I like the idea that your ex husband or boyfriend, whoever, was a soul sent down here to teach you a lesson. I do, and and I think that was my experience. Um, what 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 I don't understand is. He he's he he being my higher power has sent many souls down to try to teach me, and I just haven't learned the lesson yet. I, I'm trying to formulate a question here. Do they just keep sending souls down until you finally catch on? <laughs> yes, a lesson is repeated over and over and over again until you finally learn it. So. Okay. Until you get the lesson, you will keep getting the same type of person over and over and over again. Well, I think I I think this time I learned my lesson. Um, and it's only because I took the time off. And it is only because this last relationship was the most hardest lesson to, that I've learned. All, all of the ones, e even prior to my sobriety, I'm, I, I got sober in 2015. And I, my pattern of behavior was always the same. One relationship ended, and within 90 days, I'm back into another one. 
and and I and I I was talking. I released an episode last time. Once in a while, I do a solo episode, and I was talking to the audience, and I said, I have no problem meeting women and getting into relationships. They're just not sustainable. I cannot sustain her because I'm attracting, like we were talking about, unhealthy people or people who are borderline or they have trauma issues or they have uh, mental health issues. And I, I guess I was attracting that for, for the past. I was married. I have three kids, two grandchildren, but all of that happened in the eighties. And I've been, I've been not back into a healthy relationship. Well, my marriage wasn't healthy either, but I married an alcoholic. I have not been in a healthy relationship in 30 years. And and now I'm 63. And so this podcast, you and, and, and all the other guests that I've been having on, and maybe this person who came down as a soul, this last relationship, are all here to teach me how to find and attract the right person. Because I'm getting, I'm burnt out. That you know, yeah. to your, uh, to your practice about helping people who are burnt out. I'm just, well, physically, I'm burnt out from the sun yesterday. I don't know if you could see it, <laughs> but I'm burnt out from chasing unattainable women and relationships, and putting that energy in, uh, into that relationship that just. Uh, the old expression, like you buy a boat, it's just a big, the definition of a boat is a big hole in the water surrounded by wood in which you pour money into. That's what a relationship is like, a bad relationship. You just, you're trying to fix it. You're always trying to stay one step ahead. You're always trying to people please. Okay, so do you? I would like to say that's a limiting belief, Andrew. So I used to think that too, that they that relationships were hard and, you know, they had, there was this push pull and drama. And then I, I realized to other women sharing with me that they had relationships that were like peaceful and easy and drama free and that made their lives better. And I realized that I had the wrong belief about relationships. So if I thought they were hard, and like a hole in the water that is constantly costing money, then that is a limiting belief where you're going to keep attracting that. Okay. I have a question for you. How, and, and if it's too personal, that's okay. How did you meet your current husband? Cause it sounds like you finally found that perfect, maybe perfect isn't the right word, but uh, you yeah. found, how did you meet your husband and, when, how did you know he was the right one? Well, it's not too personal. I'm, I'm happy to share my stories that will help anybody who's listening. Um, I was recently uh, divorced in January of 2017. And I went on five dating sites. I hired a high-end matchmaker. I was like determined to, you know, prove to myself that I could find, you know, another guy because I got divorced at age 45 and he was like, oh, you're 45 years old in Los Angeles. You know, you've aged out of the dating market. You're oh, never going to find anyone. 
So of course I wanted to prove to him, I have not aged out of the dating market. Um, so I went on a lot of dates and I didn't really like anyone. And I was frustrated because I went on so many dates and nobody was like interesting or if they liked me, I didn't like them, whatever. But I liked them, they didn't like me. So I just decided to actually do what I call a dating detox for 90 days. I was like, I'm not going to think about relationships, talk about them, watch movies about them, listen to songs about them. I'm just going to focus on finishing my book and launching my book. So six weeks into this dating detox, I was at a party thrown by the owner of my gym and I invited everyone at the gym to my book launch party, which was the following weekend. And I invited Ben, who's my now husband, and he showed up at the at the book launch party and he bought a book and he said, I'm not going to ask you to sign it here. I would like you to sign it over dinner. And I was like, oh, OK, he's wow. asking me out. This wow. is interesting because <laughs> I'm not even like focusing on this right now. And I said yes. And he said I went into the date kind of like very cynical and jaded. He could tell I had like an attitude on me like, oh, God, here we go again. What's mm -hmm. this guy going to be like? So he kind of like wore me down by making really nice small talk and asking me great questions. And we ended up closing that restaurant and we closed the next two restaurants on the next two dates because we really like had a great communication connection. And now we've been married for a year and a half and he was a totally different guy. I had to hit bottom mm -hmm. on narcissistic, emotionally unavailable men. Like I, I, I remember saying, I don't care if I'm alone the rest of my life. I just want to be around positive, good energy, loving people, whether they're friends, dogs, coworkers. <laughs> like I'm so done with like, and I, and I had to drop friends. Like, I don't believe there's anything uh, like neutral energy. People are either giving me loving and supportive words, or they're giving me negative words like neutral is not okay. So I just go where the love is now. And I've had to walk away from people, friends that were not loving and supportive, because I'm so sensitive to it after being married to someone who was so um, just mean, I, I feel it like I can feel it right away if somebody's not giving me support. And I just, I've had to walk away from a lot of friendships, but it's okay, because I'm placing myself first for the first time in my life. That's interesting. Would you consider yourself an empath? Yes. So, okay. so much. Yeah. So, so your story about how you met your husband get, brings this old adage that you find love when you're not looking for it because you were not looking for it and it came to you. So those of us, and I'm going to say me in particular, who are constantly looking for love, so here's a, and, and and if we have a few minutes, let's talk about dating apps. What is your, I guess, your viewpoint on dating apps? Because it's a whole different landscape out there today. With there are hundreds of dating apps, and it's uh, I've been on in the last ten months while I'm trying to stay single for the podcast. And I know this is going to sound a little askew. I'm doing it for research. Um, I have gone on a few dates, 
but they're they're horrible. The dating apps are horrible, and, and the people on them are just not. They're fake. They're frauds. They they're yada yada yada. Do you discourage your your clientele from dating apps? I think there's a lot of people that are great on the dating apps. I have probably seven friends who are mar- happily married from people they met oh, on really? okay. the dating apps. So I think that you bring your attitude with you. Um, it is a numbers game, just like anything else, just like any kind of sales or anything. It's a numbers game. So if you do want to do the j- dating apps, you have to be really not attached to the outcome. And what I tell my clients is think of the dating apps like traffic. If you were driving somewhere and you encountered five red lights in a row, would you be like, that's it. Driving sucks. It's not for me. Every time I hit the road, I get a red light. All those other people are getting green lights. It's it's just not it's not for me. I'm right. never going to drive again because I keep getting red lights. No, you'd be like, I'm going to get some red lights. I'm going to get some green lights. I'm going to eventually get to my destination. So it's about just knowing that your person is out there. And whether you meet them through the dating apps or a fix up or you run into them at Trader Joe's, it I think going on the dating apps is telling the universe that you're open to meeting someone and you're practicing, you're practicing your energy. I teach a lot about masculine and feminine energy. So if you choose to be masculine, you're practicing being in your masculine, which is, you know, masculine energy is giving and being in charge and making decisions. Feminine energy is being gracious and receiving. So you're practicing dating and the better you, the more you practice when you do meet your soulmate, you're going to, you're going to be very in tune uh, with them and how to act. So I think the dating apps are great. Meeting people the old fashioned way is how I ended up meeting someone. But like I said, I know so many people who met on the dating apps. Okay, so I think you mentioned the old-fashioned way. So meeting somebody in the real world organically. Um, yeah. I I had a guest on not a couple of days ago who does not like dating apps. He coaches men on how to find women in the real world. So um, I think there's a question in there somewhere. What? Let's say I went to the supermarket and uh, um, which I do every Saturday. I go get food shopping. Um, I, I personally, being of sixty three, I remember way before the dating apps came on scene. How, matter of fact, that's how I got married. I, I didn't meet my wife on a dating app. I, I met her at a hospital. We were both working there. What's What's the secret to meeting somebody organically in the real world, whether it's through a club, whether it's through like you join a hiking club, you join a gym, you join or or you're squeezing cantaloupes in the produce section. What's the secret to attracting somebody in the real world? It's eye contact. So I teach women to smile at everyone, not just guys, like be good energy. Because when a man sees a woman who's smiling, that shows that she's nice, that she's approachable, that she's open hearted. So I tell women to smile at everyone and just to give good energy. 
And if you want to meet someone in the real world and you're a guy, look for women that are giving you a smile that are open body language. They don't have their arms folded. They're not staring at their phone. They don't have their headphones on. Those are all signs that she's not open to meeting someone in public. If they are open, if they're smiling, if they're not on their phone, if their head is up, eye contact, I say at least five seconds of eye contact. I call it the five second smile. If you can hold eye contact for five seconds and someone doesn't look away, that means they are open and they're basically like inviting you to approach. So for the men out there, if somebody holds your eye contact for five seconds and it seems like a long time, but it's not, then they're like basically saying, yeah, let's talk and then walk up to them and ask them questions. People do not ask questions anymore. Like, how are you? How's your day? What are you excited about? What brings you to this coffee shop? What's your favorite drink? Or what's your, what are you buying today at the grocery store? What's, what's one of your favorite foods in your cart? Just any, any question is anything questions, 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 because it shows the woman or the man that you're genuinely interested in them. And I think that people love talking about themselves. I know they do. So ask them questions and then ask them out. I remember meeting someone in a grocery store. I think I saw him there twice and we had great conversations and he never asked me out. And I was like, well, I guess he just likes talking at the grocery store. Maybe he's married or whatever. But um, yeah, then like ask, ask them for their number and then just say, hey, would you would you be open to grabbing a coffee sometime? I really like coffee dates as the first date because- yeah. It's only like a 45 minute commitment hour at the most dinners, like two and a half hours, lunch is yeah. hour, hour and a half. Like, would you be open to meeting for coffee? Everybody yeah. loves caffeine. Right. So uh, I think that's a great approach. And I think it is the best way to meet in person. But people are so scared of rejection that they find the dating apps a lot easier. But if if you if you are not scared of rejection, and I think it's better because you can actually see what you're fishing, you can see what you're pulling into the boat. And yes, you know, there are a lot of people on the dating apps that have fake pictures, and they don't give their real age or their real body type or whatever. So if you are brave enough to meet people in person, and you learn how not to take rejection personally, because rejection is not ever personal, Yes, I w- I think that meeting in person is absolutely the best way to meet because you see exactly what you're pulling onto the boat. You see where you're fishing. I'm going to bring up two topics that in direct relation to what you're talking about. I think geographically, it's I live in New York and just right outside of New York City, and in New York. Well, yes, after 9-11, New Yorkers stuck together. But typically, people in New York are not nice people. I'm just going to say it. So mm-hmm. if you approach a woman in the grocery store, <laughs> you might not get, even though she might be single and she might be looking, she she's going to have a tough uh, front. But if you go to Florida or South Carolina or pick any state where people are so much more pleasant, uh, where where everybody just says good morning to each other. You could be walking your dog and two people, two completely strange, they will say good morning to each other. You don't get that in New York. I'm telling you, you just don't. And so that's one. And two is, I'm, and I asked this the other night and I got 
an answer. I'd be curious. We're post-COVID. And during COVID, we were all told to a lockdown and B stay six feet apart and and blah blah blah. And now that it's essentially over, there are still people walking around with masks. I, I was at the supermarket today and I, I one out of five people were still wearing masks. And and I would be reluctant to approach a person wearing a mask. First of all, I wouldn't be able to see their face. But do you think do you think the post-COVID world has changed meeting people organically because of what we endured for two years? I think it's changed the world, uh, but I think people are craving in-person connection more than ever. And the people that were single were so depressed and in so much pain because they realized, wow, I had to go through this like very traumatic life altering world event alone. And I don't ever want to go through that alone again. If there's another like worldwide pandemic, I want to make sure that I'm not alone. And I think people value travel more. They travel, they value in-person events. They value connection because people felt so lonely and isolated. So I wouldn't personally I wouldn't approach someone in a mask because I would think they were a little neurotic <laughs> to yeah. still be wearing them at this stage in the game. Or I might think they're sick. <laughs> like maybe they're trying to protect other people. Maybe they have a Could cold be. or COVID. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't approach someone in a mask, but I just practice making small talk with everyone all the time. Like compliment people. Like if you, I have a, a compliment challenge, like, for the next five days, give a stranger a compliment. It doesn't have to be someone you're attracted to. It can be someone at the cashier checkout line, like anybody, like just compliment people right. because people love compliments. Not everybody does it. It's something that's very rare and you're making people feel good. So if you just genuinely compliment people, it's a great way to start a conversation and you're just giving love in the world. And that's what the world needs post COVID more than anything is people, people need love. And and that brings me back to my, and I agree with you 100%. And, but that brings me back to my point where I, I, I have, I've traveled the United States a lot and the, the difference in personalities. Uh, I, I have family in Florida and I was there last year and li- the, the people are just so pleasant it's I, I I I'm not sure where you live, but I, L.A. Okay, wow. Well, I haven't. That's the one place I haven't been to. I was there as a child, but I don't remember. Do two people jogging in the morning say good morning to each other? That but they they don't know each other. No, no. It, some do, some don't. Some people like. Because I I'm a dog person. I actually I'm about to get another dog uh, in three weeks. I'm so excited. Sometimes I'll be like, "Hi, is your dog friendly?" Because I want to see if the dogs want to meet. And some people like totally ignore me. Mm. And some people are like, "Yeah, my dog's friendly," or "No, my dog isn't." You know, some people like in LA will completely ignore you because they're so paranoid. But I have learned not to take it personally because people are acting on two base emotions are either lacking uh, acting from fear. They're scared of strangers. They don't trust yep. anyone. It has nothing to do with me. No. Or they're acting out of love. Like 
we're all one, we're all connected, we're all part of God. And uh, if somebody is so fear-based that they can't even respond, I feel sorry for them. I'm like, wow, there, but for the grace of God go I. They they are so paranoid that they can't even like talk to someone with a dog. Like, and that's okay. So I've just learned not to take it personally. And if you're single and you want to meet someone in New York, you can still do it. You just can't take the people that, cause there are people that will talk to you in New York. Um, New Yorkers are really warm and friendly. Once you get past that, you know, initial veneer, you just have to be willing again to play the numbers game. I, I've lived on the upper West side and, uh, yeah, there are friendly people everywhere, even in New York. Yeah, I, I made a blanket statement that, that. Yeah, yeah, but but more often than not, they're not that friendly. And 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 yeah. to your point about dog dog owners, dog people are there's like a club. Like if you yeah. own a yeah, a dog lover, and nine times out of ten, you will be able to strike up a conversation they actually have dog walking clubs and dog walking parks as you know <laughs> and, and and wow okay um anything else rebecca that you can think of that we can uh offer the audience in in terms of what you do and and i'd like to give you an opportunity to promote your practice sure where thank, can we thank you where can we um, find you and i am at rebecca e whitman on instagram threads and clubhouse my website is rebecca elizabeth with a z whitman.com i have a course that helps people that are in midlife manifest their soulmate and seven simple steps, which wow. I am teaching. So, and I also offer a complimentary coaching call. So the first session is a 30 minute coaching call. It's completely free, no strings attached. I may or may not think we're a good fit to work together. If we're not, I'll refer you to someone who is. So I will be sharing my link tree, which is where you can book your coaching call with me. You can find my website. You can find my podcast. I have a podcast called The Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. Oh, great. All things that I'm doing are on my link tree. I host a lot of virtual summits and retreats and have a lot of cool events coming up in the near future. So be sure to check out my link tree, which I'm sure Andrew's going to put in the show notes and yep. you'll be able to stay connected with me. And I, you know, I would love to support anybody who is feeling stuck in any way in their health and their finances or in a relationship. Oh, that's great. And yes, I will, uh, uh, use once we're finished, you'll send me your, all of your social media links and, and everything you just met. I will put everything in the show notes and I will follow you on Instagram and I will go to your website and, and look for that, uh, that, that, what did you say? The, uh, the manifest, Yes, the uh, the course I have manifest your soulmate yeah. in midlife. So yeah. yes, well, I'm a little past midlife, but I but uh, would that benefit me? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, okay. Listen, I'm lost. I, I'm 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 literally wandering in 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 a, in a desert 
uh, I, I've been doing the wrong thing for so many years. And, and through our earlier conversation, I'm, I'm just trying to pull it all together now. So, okay, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I, you, you've enlightened me and you just give, you gave me so much hope that, uh, there is happiness out there to be to be had. It, it's just, I guess, how you approach it and how you yourself um, have to be open and and positive energy. I guess is really what it comes down to. So, yeah, you attract who you are, not who you want. So, if you want to attract someone who is loving, giving, positive, kind then you get to be that way first. And most importantly, you get to be that way to yourself in your own inner dialogue. That's my last note. I realized my big epiphany was I was attracting emotionally unavailable, abusive men because I was being that way in, in my own inner dialogue. I was being a perfectionist. Nothing I could ever do was ever good enough. I was harsh to myself. Like, why did you do that? And you could have done it better. Like the way I spoke to myself was very harsh. And that's why I was attracting that in relationships. Yeah. So I would tell your listeners, your first step is to be aware of your inner dialogue and start talking to yourself in a loving, compassionate way. And that's going to spill out to all of your relationships. And I agree. And that's where I'm trying to convert that inner dialogue I have with myself. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard of the book, The Untethered Soul by Michael. Oh, Singer. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I've read that or, or listened to it because I'm an audiobook guy. I've listened to it three times and uh, it's fascinating. Um, but it's all about the inner dialogue and, and the self-criticism. You got to you got to get rid of it. You got to wipe all that clean and in order to, to start fresh again. And that's what I'm working on. So. Okay, Rebecca, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll see you on social media and follow you. And um, maybe we'll do this again sometime. Great. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on your show. And thanks for being so vulnerable in your place. questions. I, thank you. Everybody Everybody tells me I'm, I'm, I do that, but it's who I am. But thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Wow. Uh, burnout. Boy, if I don't know about you, but I have definitely experienced burnout in so many different aspects of my life. Okay. So that was just another episode that was recorded some time ago and just didn't fit in between what season one and season two were all about. So I kind of stuck it in the middle. So I think this is the last episode before the season opener, which will be next week, October. I can tell you right now, it's going to be October 17th. Um, well, that'll be my first guest. Um, I, I probably will open the season up with a rant. I know you guys would love that. I'll open up season two with a rant, and I'm sure I'll have a good one. So thank you for listening. And as always, I ask if you would stop for 30 seconds and leave a review on Apple and um, 
check out my Instagram and please share this show with a friend. I need your help, folks. Season two is I have a lot of episodes to, sh to share with you. And we 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 got to get me dating. Let's get me back out there and let's find some women for me to date. But I need your help. Okay. Speaking of dating, if you're going to make a choice, let's say you're dating somebody and it's getting a little like serious. You have to choose whether this person is the right person for you for like long-term relationship. Please stop and think. Okay, that pause was us thinking, okay? Please don't make the mistake I made. Please choose wisely. Until next time. Ciao.